Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm Dan Landrum. I'm Aaron O'Rourke. And I'm Brooke Shields. Yay. <laughs> I thought so. You're looking good, Brooke. Thank, thank you. S- Steven Seifert. That's right. Uh, here we are the day after Christmas. Who's grumpy? I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm not grumpy. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. Really? What are you yeah. grumpy about? I don't know. Oh, it's because your son beat you up, isn't it? Yeah, my head hurt. I don't have a headache, but I've got a... Look at this. You can yeah. see the spot on the back of my head, Aaron. Yeah, see that? it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Dan, my yeah, 15-year-old so- son is... A, is almost well he's just barely taller than me and i have learned that lesson recently i i don't know that i'll be wrestling him any any time soon without some serious training yeah i'm wearing a helmet next time yeah i think next year you guys should maybe stop the festivus and (laughs) and just go back to normal christmas it's you know when you cut out the airing of the grievances and the the feats of strength it's a it's a bit safer yeah it was fun though. He was very happy. And I, that's, oh, I could tell. We're we're all looking. We want our children to be happy. You know, when I came over and you started showing me the marks on on your head, he got this big smile on his face. <laughs> that's what we live for. Hey, I, I would never <laughs> mess with your son, ever. <laughs> ever. Well, I should not have done what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I almost bit my tongue in two. Ooh. Scraped the skin off the back of my head and thought I had broken my neck. Well, uh, earlier in the year, I wrestled my son and um, I ended up with like a daily headache for two months. Wow. Did you get slammed down or something? I don't know what happened, but I do know that it didn't go away until I did yoga one day. <laughs> it's true. You do, do you do yoga on a regular basis, Steve? No way. He's in the uh, Snowflake Yoga Club. <laughs> no, I'm, I I wouldn't mind doing it more often, but I, you know, I suspect it with with as little activity, physical activity as I get, I suspect that hour I spent stretching might have been just the thing. I don't know. That's good for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, hot yoga sounds like the worst form of torture. <laughs> it doesn't sound yeah. fun at all. Yeah, just uh. stretching makes me hot. <laughs> you don't need to add heat to the room. You remember when Hotmail came out? I remember getting emails from people with, you know, at hotmail.com. And oh, yeah. the first few I got, I just deleted. I thought it was something bad. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, know. I get that. But nowadays, of course, hot Hotmail is uh, welcomed by everyone. It's still in existence, right? One of them just shut down. Was what? it AOL email? Oh, that I don't know. I think I still have a Hotmail address. It's not the one I use most, but but I should get it figured out if they just shut that down. Yeah. Hey, speaking of email, Steve, I saw that you posted on Facebook a, a bit ago something that I need to do. What did I that, do? Uh, oh, yeah. Some unsubscribe thing. How does how does that work? What kind of access do you have to give them to your account all right well i've used everything um so here's here's the problem i'm cleaning out email and i've got a ton of emails from places like kroger you know um just lots of subscription-based email and i think the one i went to yep it's called unroll.me unroll.me and in order to um use it past a certain point you had to 
I had to share on Facebook that I was using it. I wouldn't have done that except I've known about them for years. It was the easiest and the quickest. I've used other services. This one, of course, we'll see in a few days how it's working. But this was the fastest and the easiest to go through it. Um, I enabled some stuff on my Gmail inbox through Gmail, through Google, that just marks things as promotional or finance or social. So I quickly went in and either deleted and archived that stuff. Um, and then I've been using Maelstrom. How do I spell that? Yeah, M-A-E-L-S-T-R-O-M. But uh, the stuff that you... Oh, oh, so it's different. Okay. M-A-I-L-S-T-R-O-M. And that one's really great for seeing who in my inbox is in there the most. You know, So after you get rid of your subscriptions and you get rid of some of that junk mail, it's nice to just start going through and seeing, all right, who do I need to contact? So, I, so is that Unroll Me thing, Steve? Is that like a plug-in for your Gmail account? Yeah. So both um, – and there's other ones that you do this – maelstrom and un- unroll me <laughs> um you just have to link it to your google account which some people might not be willing to do but i don't have any top secret information in my google account yeah. so while we're on the topic <laughs> this is a good time this little <laughs> this little space it's just got the little space between that's right christmas and New Year's. It's become sacred. It's a good space because you can come out into the new year. That's right. Caught up, maybe. Oh. That's that's my plan. Yours? Is that why you were doing that now? You were just in a catch-up mode? Well, I've been talking to Andre, our buddy, and he talked about anybody who knows me is going to laugh as soon as this comes out of my mouth but andre's recommending ridiculous responsiveness that's what he's recommending i i i try to do and i'm familiar with the hmm, anyway i'm gonna oh, i'm gonna try ridiculous responsiveness i don't even i don't even think i can do it honestly so i mean okay why don't you think you can do it I'm getting older, and I've started to realize certain things are harder to change. But I, this one's got to change. Jeez. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't be so hard. And I'm not being hard on you either, Aaron, because I know you do a lot, and I'm, I'm impressed by your work output. So no doubt. this may seem like I'm picking at you. And I'm although not. I suspect he's lazy a lot, we just don't know it because well, maybe, maybe I've never seen any evidence. Performance of it. peaks. Uh, <laughs> but I know that at this stage in my life. It, yeah. At about to turn 57, the amount, oh the, my the numbers of things I have to do uh-huh. are sometimes overwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to be self employed, to be involved in local government, to be a grandfather, yeah. you know, to be a father. Run a magazine. And just, yeah. There's just a lot of stuff. And periodically, I felt so good like two quarters ago. I'd been caught up for a couple of months. Yeah. Man, I got behind again and it makes me depressed and then I have to start working your way out. And so that's like this little spot. Okay. You're like, you're not going to get many phone calls between Christmas and New Year's. So I want to dig out. I want to kind of be depressed about it. Yeah. I don't want to be happy like, oh, I'm great. I want to be angry. Yeah. That's part of the reason I'm grumpy. <laughs> <clears throat> Just does it make sense? I mean, just yeah. There were a lot of uh, a lot of conversations over Christmas that some of them I felt like 
well, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I feel like I'm getting behind. But anyway, it's uh, it's all come January 1st. I, we're going to be caught up. Yeah, I don't nice. want to be depressed about it, but I don't. I don't necessarily want to be optimistic either. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. No, this is, if anybody's listening, uh, we, or, I mean, if we were selling cleaning chemicals for a nation, for, a, for an international company, I'm sure we'd be covered up in email. Is that true? Or, or musicians, independent musicians without representation or a team uh, of helpers are... Are we unusually inundated with email? I mean, ninety-eight percent of it's fake. It's crazy. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think April Virch was the first one that said it's probably a good idea for you to have a few boilerplate emails no when doubt. people ask you Is questions. That a fiddler? Who's- Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was at. I met her at Kaufman's camp, and. Um, and uh, Nikki's suggestion was just to have an FAQ oh, yeah. section on the website. So I, I did that, and I on the FAQ, I just said um, something like, after realizing that it's easy for me to spend two hours a day responding to emails for people asking for uh, some sort of dulcimer-related advice, which I'm ha- happy to talk about, but two hours a day is a pretty big chunk of time. Um or can be, and so I uh, just l- listed a lot of the questions that that I tend to get, uh, and answers to them, and said if this doesn't cover it, uh, I teach Skype lessons. You can go to dulcimerschool dot com, or you can go to Patreon, where I have a monthly hangout and I answer questions. So that was my way of doing it, and that has that's really saved me a bunch of time. I think. Uh, that's the number good of advice. responses where I've said, "Hey, I, I, I'm happy to talk to you, you but I, I get a lot of these questions. Check this out." I got advice from uh, S- Stephen Taylor, this drummer in Nashville. He said it's a lot easier for him to send somebody an audio message. So he uses, I guess, the mail app on his phone, and so he goes to the audio recorder on the iPhone records the response to their email and then just emails them that audio. Hmm. He said he can walk around back and forth and just knock out a bunch of those. And when he's typing, he, he said it just, he's a quick typist, but it, he said he ends up editing the letter and takes forever. (laughs) Which is necessary though. If you don't, I pride myself almost for sure more than I should on on my writing, I spend a lot of time writing. I, but when I'm too close to it, when I've just written it, I, it's as if I cannot see the mistakes and I see them a little bit later. So I'm somewhat hesitant to write and send. It's almost like a live performance. You know, sometimes Facebook live feels a little safer (laughs) in some ways, because you know, if you mess up, it's live and you're not going to fix it. Whereas if you sit down and make a movie to post, you want that to be perfect. And uh, maybe that would be a good idea because you would just sort of go, well, uh, you know, as you're responding to somebody yeah. with audio. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, John, thanks for writing me. I know you're looking to buy a new dulcimer. There's a lot of options. Let me know how much you're willing to spend, and I'll I'll give you a couple recommendations. Have a good I'm one. Let me give that a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Heck yeah. Now, uh, 
the problem is we are going to have some people that are like, hey, I just got a weird email from you. It's got some file in it. Is it safe to open? That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, yeah. it doesn't take very long to type uh, a message in audio file attached or something along those lines. Oh, uh, you could just have that be, that could just be You're, in there. That could yeah. be a signature for those, maybe. Yeah. So a shout out who's not listening, but just kudos to our guy, Andre, since he came up a minute ago. <clears throat> Ran into someone at a party uh, over Christmas at some point. He said he used to live across the street from Andre. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, they're really interesting people. He said, yeah, I never got to know them well. He said, but he just seemed like the kind of guy that everything he did turned to gold. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, we're banking on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, I'll tell you what. I've had, I guess we've known Andre for a while. I have. And yeah. I just spent some time with him last month, a couple times, two visits, I think, in the last month. And um, I really enjoy Andre. He's a, he's yeah, a great guy, guy, I think. Oh, yeah, Steve, you were, you came here to shoot video while we were in florida right right cool yeah so what did you record yeah new dulcimer school stuff what'd you do all right well this was the first time that i didn't do a bunch of new stuff we did a whole lot of business we talked a whole lot um just he got his guy to run some database queries and we did some brainstorming on marketing and Hmm. um but I had I had been there two weeks before and made a bunch of new videos. The one thing that's new on Dulcimer School for Mountain Dulcimer, I don't know if it's active yet, but I think it might be, is new samples. So um, I recorded, I think, five or six new sample videos. So um, anyway, we ought to have a meeting about all that stuff at some point. I probably shouldn't do it right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. But I, I, huh. it feels so good. You know, here's... I, I'm Is one of us getting to, fired? Huh? <laughs> Is one of us getting fired? Uh, not yet. But I okay. oh, no. I, I think that um, it's so encouraging me, encouraging to me to see this model where when I go to this physical location two hours away, I know I'll be working around the clock for two days, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I wish I could do that with everything it's just so i know we talk about this every podcast but being at home it's hard when you're just trying to work out of your home office i'd rather go somewhere where there's people who are all working on something and everybody's working together i kind of like that yeah Hmm. yeah so can we talk about christmas for a minute since we're close to it i know people don't listen to these just happened it just happened yeah It, it seems odd though when you're listening Serial listening to podcasts. And, we all sound depressed. And, <laughs> I know. We're just tired, people. We're yeah, just we tired. So it was great to get, great get, to, get to see my son. And uh, I see my grandkids all the time, which is the joy of my life. So we sort of let them do their holiday thing with the other in-laws. So maybe that's what's What is it about present. your grandchildren that are more joyous for you than your wife or children? Watching them learn and... Uh, it's constant improv with them, mm-hmm. and I like that. Yeah, I mean, you ask—that's—I'd say that was it. And 
So the there's reason a lot of hope. You, the relationships you have with like your wife and and son become labored because of their lack of improvisational skills. No, it's just that everyone is sort of set in who they are at that point, and the kids you're kind of watching them and figuring out. There's not a lot of hope for your wife and son. (laughs) I have a lot of hope for them. (laughs) But that's not where I was going with this. All my friends suffer various forms of dissociation. Uh, (laughs) Well, my son, I mean, my son will tell you, uh, I've had enough social time now. (laughs) Let's just don't talk. (laughs) He said, I'm I'm totally comfortable with all of my human interaction coming through the computer. (laughs) (laughs) He did. Uh, So, but the best... Christmas memory I think I'll have from this year is uh, you went maybe one time to Ken and Carla's party with us, Steve. Carla Pritchard, Downtown Partnership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the stuff in Chattanooga. Just super cool people. We've known them a long time. I have hundreds of stories with them, but we, uh, she has breast cancer this year, which is like, oh man. And we didn't know it. It had apparently come on really quickly. And so we went to her party Friday night. And she didn't have any hair. She's going through chemo. She's going to be completely fine. It, it's a totally treatable sort of thing. But it was this international group of people that were there. A guy from uh, Vienna, and, uh, a lady and her husband from Russia. And uh, just just people that we've kind of known off and on that are involved in cool stuff in Chattanooga. And so it was a bit subdued. You know, everyone's kind of getting used to the fact that our friend is sitting there with no hair. At the, yeah. But everybody's still trying to have fun, you know. And, so, and we did. We all had a good time. But normally, we would go out and carol with the candles with the little cups around them and uh, go from house to house. But it was late and cold, really cold that night. So at the end of the evening, we all went into their living room and turned off all the lights and used the candles and sang... That was so cool. Nice. It was everybody that was into it, you know? So that was good, even though it was kind of melancholy. I think that sort of set the melancholy mood for me uh, <laughs> for the whole weekend. How about you guys? What's What fun thing did you do? Well, let's see. Last night, uh, me and Nikki set aside five bottles of scotch and did a blind tasting. Okay. Uh, to see if we could guess which one was which. This isn't where you taste till you're blind. No, close. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we, um, uh, my, my very kind and generous mom who knows her baby boy quite well got me a bottle of scotch for Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was another one from the Ardbeg distillery, which is one of my two favorites. So we took the uh, the bottles of the different expressions from Ardbeg that we had and uh, um, set them up and uh, and did them blind. So Nikki went first. I had them all arranged and everything. And uh, then what's then the she, per- what's the goal? What you, you want to see if you can tell which is which? I. That's, or is that's, it a rating? That's part of it, just just for fun, but also to see for consistency's sake. If like your favorite continues to be, we've done this a few times oh, okay. now, and yeah. the favorite the continues to be the favorite. Yeah, so you don't have that influence of just seeing the bottle and having that association. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. So that ended up being a lot of fun. And um, and I nailed it. <laughs> of five course for you five. did. Of course you did. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun, but um, musically, uh, 
got frustrated playing ukulele. I'm ready to send it back. Uh, it's got a weird intonation problem. One string at the octave. The E string at the octave is near spot on, but on the third fret, it's way sharp. Huh. Way, Wait way sharp. Wait a minute. Sharp. What? Yeah, that's what I said. No, no, so no, no, you, no, 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 no. Go back. Back up. Okay, so Ardbeg. He thought he uh, heard you say it, ukulele. <laughs> ukulele. You're, you so have on the an ukulele. E string, I do. An ukulele. I do. And right. the third fret is sharp. Uh, specifically on the E string. And What's you can odd see is it. that. No. Um, I can hear it. And. Could uh, that be a string problem? Peterson Strobe Tuner seems to agree with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird because it's. You know, intonation wise at the octave, none of the strings are perfect. I'm not expecting them to be, but I feel like that one is actually surprisingly close when you play uh, the harmonic and then you fret the, right. at the octave. It's surprisingly close. However, on the third fret of the E string, it is way, way sharp just on that one fret. Hmm. It, could it be that one of the harmonics? is louder because the harmonics you know some if the harmonic is too loud it could sound sharp or flat yeah it's not that that. whoever made it or set it up either doesn't know or doesn't care and i don't want to try to you know uh, god bless them you know but yeah uh, don't say who the builder was but is it a cheap one it's relatively inexpensive however i thought it was expensive enough where i should not have that problem Do you think but, uh, you, did you try a new string? I don't know. I don't know. It's got the Aquila brand Super Nile guts on it. Well, listen, is it? Is, um, uh, but uh, well, okay. Uh, it's just disappointing. Yeah, it is disappointing. You have you ever got an instrument where it looks like the builder, you know, put the <laughs> put that like the seventh fret in on a dulcimer so that it matched the harmonic, but all the other frets are whacked. <laughs> I've seen those, yeah. It's funny. It's like, well, at least we have the octave in tune, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I sound uh, arrogant well, all of a sudden. Well, look, here's the thing. Uh, like, if if your main thing is building dulcimers, you know, you got to get, you got to get the notes right. Got to get that right, I think. I know you don't want to hear this. I just think it, it needs to be said like every 10 years. So there's my there's my once every 10 years. 10 episodes. Ooh, that was a big moment. Every 10 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I what I have been doing a lot though aside from writing, uh I've really been playing my McSpadden a lot over the Christmas break. Oh yeah. Set up with four equidistant, yeah, DAD oh, and that. I'm love loving that. it. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a four string resurgence coming back. I feel it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really bad at uh, predicting resurgences and trends and what what all is going to be popular. But right now, I'm really really digging uh, the sound of the four equidistant string McSpadden. Hmm. Yeah, it was one that I actually had this dulcimer. I won this mountain dulcimer at Mountain View when I was 18. And um, it's it's kind of complicated. I, th- I think I traded it to David McKinney for a modern mountain dulcimer, and he sold it to uh, Stephen Kenny out in Arizona. And I, I didn't know that he had it in his possession until we saw him at uh, 
the Black Mountain Festival, and he he told me, hey, he's like, hey, Aaron, you remember that dulcimer that oh. one? Yeah, Mountain View. He's like, well, I have it, and if you if you want it back, uh, I'm happy to help get it in your hands. So we that's, worked out a trade. That's cool, and it was really yeah, that worked out well. So going along with what you guys were talking about, it made me think of the uh, the DPN that just came out. So listen to this letter. And Steve, tell me when it was written, when you figure it out. You just want a date? Proximate. Should yeah. I tell you how much the person weighs or their age? If you can figure it out. Okay. Okay. From our readers. Well, the elitists are at it again. <laughs> But you have to love a letter that starts that way. The latest? The elitists. Oh. Elitists. A while ago, it was plywood. Now it's fret spacing. Should we use 17.835 or 17.8171537.5 or some other number, which give enough... Given enough time, I'm sure someone will come up with. If anyone is interested, and to illustrate the foolishness of all this, I figured the difference in the placement of the first fret using the above numbers. Okay, fans, are you ready for this? It is a strong thousandth of an inch. I may be wrong, but I believe the human hair is around three to five thousandths of an inch. Now, let's be honest. Who among you in the average, or better than average, workshop can cut the fret slots to that accuracy? I'm not advocating sloppy fret spacing or work in general, for I recently had to refret a dulcimer that had improperly placed frets. On that instrument, the first fret was off the mark by a whopping five sixteenths, not a piddling thousandth. And remember this, that the difference is greatest at the first fret. By the time you get to, say, the 12th fret, you'd probably need an electron microscope to measure the difference. So, come on. If we're going to get into it, let's do it over something worthwhile, like how many angels can sit on the saw edge that scribes the fret slots. Thoughts? Okay. Well, the first thing you wanted, you wanted to know what date this was written? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suspect it was in the 80s. 1977. Close. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that cool, though? I mean, that people are still talking about pretty much the same things. Well, they were right fighting now. a war back then because they had people, you know, who went from there's some people who just started making dulcimers without any idea that the frets needed to be anywhere particular, you know. Yeah, so there was an editor's reply to this back then, and it just in the old magazine it said Phil and Maddie. Uh, editor's note, see Woody Paget's article in this issue for what should be the last word on fret placement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of (laughs) awesome. The last word on fret placement. Turns out it didn't work out that way. (laughs) Uh, The single biggest complaint we hear about dulcimers in general is that of incorrect fret placement. Phil and Maddie, 1977. I stuck that in uh, this DPN for the very reason what you were talking about. It's you know, still a, a beautiful thing that bears bringing up again is just because the frets aren't where you think they should go doesn't mean they're wrong. And I will just simply say, if you look up different temp- tuning temperaments, like just tuning or mean tone, uh, there are... Like, for instance, some of these old dulcimers in the, that were set up for a 155 tuning in DAA, um, sometimes they were purposely put in there, like, to match just tuning, where you get these really pure intervals. Well, somebody comes along and just out of ignorance says, well, these this is not equal temperament. These are flat. These are, you know, 
Um, so just because the frets don't match your tuner as is doesn't mean they're wrong. And that's a funny thing because there are dulcimers out there tuned <laughs> to this older system. And they actually sound really beautiful when they're alone or with other instruments that can match those intervals. But like if you hear one of those with a modern equal temperament instrument, the, the two clash. There's did just- you mean... Steve, did you mean just because the frets don't match your tuning, not your tuner? Mm, I, I meant tuner. You did say tuner. But here's the this is I this is interesting. So if you get somebody to sing, if if let's say you have um let's say you have one singer singing a C and a second singer sings the E above them. Most people's ears will tend to flatten that E just a little because it actually sounds better. But let's say there's a piano in the room reinforcing that C and E. Uh, The singers will tend to match the piano, which is an equal temperament. So given, given the right situations, our ears tend to sweeten thirds by lowering them a little and raising fifths just a little tiny bit. Uh, but it it always depends on the context. So singers, violinists, they change their pitches according to the context around them. And um, it's a beautiful topic. And where it comes in with dulcimers, like I said, there's I have a dulcimer that's fretted something that's like just tuning. So you get these sweet intervals. Um, but there's, there's trade-offs. There's pros and cons. But usually it's such a complex subject. That um, if I'm not careful, somebody's going to think I'm saying this builder is sloppy and puts their frets in the wrong place. I mean, it's such, it's a, why is this a pain? Because there's some good builders out there that use these special fretting schemes. And I wish they'd just put an article on their website explaining, hey, our stuff sounds awesome. But if you use it in a studio along with standard equal temperament fretted instruments, you may sound flat or something, you know? Oh, that's interesting. But nobody's going to do that. It's just like a, it's like a problem we can't do anything about. And there's also it's also a beautiful aspect of dulcimers. A problem we can't do anything about and a beautiful aspect. And that is the final word on fretting the dulcimer. <laughs> I don't think it. so. <laughs> I don't think so. Do you guys... For the next 40 years. <laughs> like, listen to this strange thing. A soloist in front of an orchestra, if they're in the key of C and they have to play a B note and then go up to the next higher C note, they'll tend to play that B slightly sharp because it really leads, it pull, that C is almost pulling it in, you know? Playing a fretted instrument is, I've been working on violin lately, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's really good to play an instrument that, where you are in charge of the intonation. I think that's a really good thing to do. It's certainly tempting. You should get a cello. I've got a cello. <laughs> For real? Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, then we got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Aaron's on a music uh, instrument per year idea. Yeah, yeah, the, like really kind of spending every day um, working on a new instrument. Not, not, 
Not every day. Yeah. Sorry. Dedicating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, No. Every day of the year, spending time. Like so, 2018. I decided I'm. That's going to be the year of the. uh, Well, it was going to be the ukulele, but yeah, it was going to be the uke. Still might, but I also I don't know. I'm really I'm I'm really really want to dig into hammer dulcimer a little bit more. I just really want some dampers and a lower register. Very needy. How about some <laughs> of those permanent dampers? <laughs> like a David Lindsay instrument? Well, if I was playing Amber Dulcimer right now, I probably, since I couldn't afford the big one yet, I probably would just get some like piano felt and stick it to it, you know? Yeah. The instrument Aaron has those pretty small. So yeah. it's not gonna have that's not gonna help with the lower register stuff. Right. Why? Because it just doesn't have it. Can't we just stick it on there? No, you can stick the felt on there, but it's going to not give you lower notes. No, no, no. Yes. What do you mean yeah, lower I, notes? I understand. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that in addition to the dampers, I wanted lower notes. Oh, I didn't but, catch that. Yeah. Yeah. I want, yeah, something like that. If that was picked up by the microphone. Right. It might not have been much. It might not but, have been. Yeah. No, I think it, it was pretty loud. Good. Because oh, you're because the way you're hearing it's loud. All right. Uh, the other thing musically that's uh-huh. been exciting me is that it's it's funny how these things launch. We had a conversation about uh, Bela Fleck and Edgar Meyer. Yeah. Right. And Aaron and I were in the car, kind of doing a post mortem on a concert, and twenty two eight came up. I think we talked about this a little on the last twenty two last podcast. Yeah, <clears throat> and what's that? It, I it's a time signature. Oh, and I've been into odd time signatures and playing with them anyway lately, and so started writing uh, something I'm pretty proud of in twenty two eight, and still uh, still working on it. So I'm not ready to day butt it yet, but something that comes to mind while working on this, Steve, is something you suggested to me a while back. I'm getting much faster at using how did you say you should pronounce is it muses how do you pronounce it muse score i i change it every time oh, okay muse score muse score muse I, score is what the I muses said, yeah. you're a muse a muse muse score a muse i don't know i have no idea muse score probably it's italian or something but i saw in one of the hammer dulcimer forums on facebook who was it Matthew Dickerson mentioned, and it'd be interesting. I don't know if Matthew listens to this or not. I'll I'll tell him he should listen since we're going to talk about him for a second. He had just started using Muse Score and said he spent like ten hours trying to write out a song he was working on. And his question, general question, there was, is that normal? Uh, I didn't chime in there because I was watching what everybody else said, and I think part of it is probably you just don't know the software yet the software and this is something you taught me steve and you're right by using it every day i've been using news score every day it's starting to disappear and it's knocking down a wall for composition does that make sense That's you mean good. the software is getting out of your way or whatever software is yeah it's knocking down it's like there's this point of resistance sometimes when you think i need to do this and i don't know how even if it's something as simple as i need to delete these two measures and insert these two measures 
and copy this phrase to the end. Those kinds of things have to happen, you know, without you thinking about it. Because when you're in the process of composition, you don't want to have to stop and learn software. Yeah. I mean, but also, like, I took some classes in high school and college where we had to listen to things. We'd get to hear it three times, and then we had to write down what was played and turn it in with a melody, rhythm, chord analysis. And I did that like five day, four days a week for a year, you know, in high school. Um, and I, I still have a hard time with writing some things down, but you know, if you haven't, if here's the deal, forget the software, you know, can you sit down with a pencil and write out a rhythm, a melody, a chord progression, just on a piece of paper, you know, then, should mention, then yeah, add the well, software. As part of this, I also <laughs> I bought a good mechanical pencil because I found that I was needing to write things down. That was the fastest way. Sometimes when I would have an idea in my head or I'm experimenting on the, on the instrument, I didn't want to go to software at all. And I just want to get something so that I can capture the idea of what's happening in this phrase and put down some hammer markings. Uh, yeah, but... I'll tell you what's neat. It feels like, like an accomplishment. I've got to be around so many composers and string players. It's neat to see what their in the moment handwriting looks like when they're writing down music. Like they don't make little circles for the notes. Many of them just put a little, you know, dash. Right. You know, just the reality of writing music quickly. It's we don't get to be around that much, you know. So we we're a different thing, people. Um, like I've been listening to these podcasts lately for regular musicians, you know, like this one for bass players and he was just giving them advice on how to get a gig. And, you know, like his first advice was if you're not likable, people are not going to want to be around you no matter how good you are, you know, just all this advice. And I thought it's kind of a different, I mean, it's true in our world too, but it's interesting to hear advice from the other side for just a regular yeah. bass player dude, you know. Yeah. Like this one um the one another tip the bass player said um you know, if if you're overplaying, people are typically not going to want to play with you, you know. If your timing's off, people are not going to want to play with you. If That's you're late all the time, people are not going to play with you. It was just lots of stuff. I thought, why, why do I perceive that to be different than our little world here? I mean, a lot of that's true for our world, too, right? <laughs> well, it's, uh, there's an element of accepting that people aren't professional musicians, maybe in the folk world a little bit more. And I think that's true, and that's good. So, yeah, if you're a bass player and you're like 19, 20, 21 years old, and you're you're trying to earn your you know, earn your way into this thing. You're starting at the bottom of a very large group of players, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to say, maybe this isn't true of everybody, but it's true of me, but your prop, your timing is probably not as good as you think it is. <laughs> and when you sit down and really start testing your own self, it really depends. I think some of the best yeah. players with the, uh, they don't do the things that expose their weaknesses when, doing those things would cause a problem. That's true. Oh, that's yeah. So because this album project that I'm working on is using these interesting timings, I'm trying to drum in all these things and be able to make sounds or ways to play them on my body. So I'm practicing with a metronome a lot. 
and looping a lot, creating loops, you know, two bars, four, six, eight, twelve. And uh how do I how do I describe this? If I close my eyes and I don't let the software get in the way, sometimes my timing is close enough to perfect. I don't want it to be so perfect like it's MIDI. But if I'm looking, if I'm watching a waveform, if I'm watching those ticks form on the line as something's being recorded, my timing is bad. But it's it's like a meditative thing. If I start it and I'm confident, because I've had to listen to a click. You know, I've, I, on all my tour stuff, everything we played to was a click. So the click doesn't bother me. It's my friend. But if I'm worried about whether my timing is good when I'm playing to a click, it's probably not going to be good. Yeah. It's like if you're at a restaurant and your kid's freaking out at the table, that's not the time to fix it. You need to work on that at home. <laughs> and I think about if you're, you know, all, all that awkward metric. I just got this image of a kid hanging onto the table leg underneath. I think, well, you got to fix it now, too. They're knock the table over. Well, you can leave. But my point is. <laughs> Leaves more kids that solved. way. <laughs> but my point is that. Um, you got to fight those battles before you go into the studio, you know, as much as possible, I think. Yeah, you got to yeah. practice the art of relaxing and playing. Like, I heard yeah. somebody say last night on a podcast, he said, I always want to be tightly aware of the grid, the rhythmic grid that I'm functioning around, but I don't necessarily want that grid to be audible. So, like, when people are like, I don't want to sound like a metronome, it's like, well, look, you need to know what the the tight musical grid is, you, but you don't necessarily have to make that audible. That's where groove comes in. I don't think anybody can sound like a metronome. Yeah, I don't think you can. I know. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> now, this if you really thing, get in and look at it. This whole thing about let's not practice don't. with a metronome because I don't want to sound too robotic. Hey, you're... Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we what got. About, what about reading music? Uh, this I saw this come up recently. I feel like this was relative to a dulcimer thing. Someone saying that they they heard they shouldn't learn to read music. No, I just saw that on a dulcimer their... school comment. Oh, maybe that's where I saw it. Yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, a musician that I've worked with that was a good sight reader that didn't also have a good ear or let's talk about this. a non-functioning ear <clears throat> let's talk yeah. about this well there's two or three things we can hit from this yeah. we played with a good bass player at a recent gig who was classically trained right who rushed all the time and you uh-huh. had a theory as to why clearly a sight reader oh yeah had i don't think that had so much to do with uh with his ear i mean I guess you could bring it back or back around to that, but um, but I've seen this before um, with uh, bass players who are classically or trained or, or have a background in jazz when they play um, something that's old timey or just just has that two feel going root fifth root fifth physically when you I've seen this happen so much where their bodies are really pulsing on the first beat and the third beat. And right. a lot of bluegrass players or old-time players, their bodies pulse on the offbeat, even though they're playing the the first beat and the third beat. I and think jazz every single players, time, 
Yeah, keep going. Every single well, every every single time I've seen that happen, there's this rushing that happens uh, by the bass player in that setting. But I don't think I think jazz players, good jazz players, do pretty well with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the classically trained musicians. There's a video on YouTube where this guy who's a professor he goes into this discussion about. He said, why do classical musicians seem to have the worst timing when it comes to the kind of stuff that, you know, and I guess he's talking about pop music or rock blues or whatever, but he's got some neat uh, insight. He's not just uh, coming down on the classical guys. He talks about how they often are part of this giant organism of rhythm, you know, um, where you're often splitting the difference with, you know, the conductor and what people are doing and what you want to do and. He actually has some neat ideas about it. I wish I could remember one. <laughs> but I think that... I, I think Even a staccato beat when you're listening, even a bunch of violins playing staccato together, you can hear flaming. Oh, yeah, sure. Know, oh, well, that's yeah. one point he made. He said, when you hear, you know... 15 violins you don't want them all to start exactly at the same time he said you 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 want the part of the orchestra sound relies on people not being exactly right on with each other the way maybe a a quantized synthesizer performance would be Hmm. and he went on to demonstrate it and i think it's true so it's one of the ways if you want to simulate an orchestra with a with a sample library on a computer, you don't want everything starting exactly together. So at the party I mentioned that I was at the other night, one of the guys there was a junior music major uh, at college right now. And I was asking how it was going, and he was asking questions about the hammer dulcimer and theory, and that was a lot of fun to explain to him. He was like, that really visually would help with some things that he was doing in class. Uh, but he said, and, I, and just so you know, I didn't lead him. He brought up this very subject that we're talking about right now. He said for transposition and for timing, he thinks, because he was a rock and roll player when he was young. Yeah. Um, well, he's still young, but before when he was in high school, uh, he said, I was all, and a singer, a guitar and singer. And he said, I was in piano as well. He said, so I was always transposing things for my voice because I needed to. And I did it all the time, never thought about the theory. He said, so these theory classes, he's doing really well in them. And he finds people that are more, that are classically trained are having a harder time because it seems like it's more just math or a method to them. And for him, he just has to think about, no, if I was playing it, I'd just do this. You know, he has the reference from the guitar and the piano, whereas most of them are coming from the piano, I guess. Yeah. That little game classes. That takes time to learn that kind of stuff. And there's so many different types of that, depending on what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Yeah. Steve, you mentioned, um, did you mention software instruments, MIDI? Yeah. Uh, for So I've been working on this piece. And um, I, was, I went through Logic looking at different, uh, well, I checked out different, uh, versions of the software orchestras that they right. have in there. I just went through this last night. Frustrated. Frustrated. Yep. 
crap out of me because the, that attack is so delayed that it makes it sound like the the strings are dragging. But I also checked out the uh, um, they have quote Celtic hammer dulcimer. Yeah, it's not I'm bad. Pretty I sure if <laughs> I was pretty sure a few things were out of tune. Yes, and I was wondering if that was purposeful. I think um, it could happen by accident. But I also I recently watched a guy building uh, soft uh, sampler libraries, and he said you kind of want it to be a little you you know you don't want it to be too perfect, but. You know, the it, it one just thing really kind of surprised me that that was the one thing that seemed purposefully out of tune. Yeah, okay. noticeably out of tune. And yet sounds more in tune than a lot of hammer dulcimers, right? Uh, I'm not going there. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I, I've heard it. I think I agree that if a hammer dulcimer is perfectly in tune, I kind of like it when there's just a little phasing going on. I'm not... Totally well, there's that. always going to be a little phasing going on because there's two strings. Right. So therefore, one string is a different length from the other, and even tuned the same, their harmonics are going to be slightly different, right? I mean, that's yeah. always the same, so mm-hmm. it still needs to be perfectly in tune. <laughs> and you get your phasing there, but it's not always easy to do. You know, yeah. talking about reading, like I've been working on Irish music off and on, like, you know, a couple weeks a year for 30 years <laughs> or something, and... um I can sight read it really well. I really can sight read Irish music really well. I can sight sing it. But I've never just developed this repertoire of tunes. So I signed up for this online course out of County Clare in Ireland. And this guy's teaching tunes. And I started the advanced one. And he just, he he said, I want you to sit back and listen to it. I'm going to play it a little slow and then i'm going to play it a little fast you know i just want you to soak it up and the next video he said um i'm just going to do the first four measures and it was a reel now i was thinking to myself i'm not going to be able to do this but but check this out i'm playing along with the first four measures on the whistle and i'm getting 95 percent of it and then he goes into the second next videos the next four measures this is all by ear and it was like the whole program, at least for a few of the teachers, is presenting these tunes in chunks of four measures. And I actually found that as long as I wasn't worried about getting every little note, I was easily getting 80% of the whole tune. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I have the ability to do it by ear. And I think there's something to taking these tunes in in these four-measure chunks. And I really would like to stop reading these Irish tunes. It's apparently mm. not helping me, any, you know? What instrument are you going through this? Well, that was uh, the whistle and the violin. Okay. Now, the whistle I actually know really well. I just don't know a lot of tunes on it, you know? But um, it, it got me thinking. You brought up reading, and there's a whole culture that's cemented and teaching and learning tunes that way. Right. And if we had somebody who's a soloist, a classical soloist or on any instrument, they would say, yeah, but you have to be able to do both. But I think that's why they're the soloists. (laughs) I don't think you can avoid like, I don't know. Some people only play by ear. But see, there's a lot of people that lie about that. Like, they'll be able to read a little, but because they can't read well, they just tell you they can't read. 
Or you'll have right. a musician who's a great <laughs> sight reader, and they're telling everybody, I can't really play by ear, when the truth is there's a, a good percentage of the skills they actually do have. But because it's not their primary way of acquiring tunes, you know. I Yeah. Yeah, you got to have know. both, but most people focus on one or the other. Yeah, but it's in, well, it's intimidating. I felt stupid as a child in piano lessons because I couldn't. I mean, I didn't understand how dyslexic I really was, but I just couldn't follow it. But if the teacher played it one time, I could fake fake it, and the teacher thought I could follow it. I just I know ever since I started reading books, I've had a much uh, more difficult time listening to people talk. <laughs> It's not the same thing, though. <laughs> My friend so, Connie I, says know. she ta- she'll she can take in a lot of measures with one glance, whereas I'm looking at one or one note even. You wow, know. Ah, that's a good skill. And she said yeah. she wa- she wakes up sometimes with a big chunk of measures that she dreamed, and she can see it as if it's on paper. The whole thing. That's amazing. She went to Juilliard and all that. All right, so are you guys, this is very true of me. I wonder if it's true of you. And I've asked other people and found that it's generally true. I'm a, my typing speed is sufficiently good. I'm pretty fast. But if somebody's staring over my shoulder while I'm typing, it just falls to pieces. I can't type well. Yeah, I think I, I, think I can relate to Does that. Does that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah, but so, if we watched you enough, you would get used to it. Yeah, but yeah. maybe we don't ever get there when we're sight reading. That's my point is... Uh, like if there are students and I'm trying, they ask me, "Hey, play this for me." Right. That's the worst time for me to sight read. I think you just need to tell them this is not a good time for me to sight read. Then you feel like a poser, you know, of some kind. Well, don't you know? You could just yeah. tell them at the beginning of the class, "Hey, I read music, but I'm not a great reader, and if if it comes down to it, you know, I won't." That's be. the. That's the words I'm using all the time now. Just, I, I feel no longer do I want to try to pretend that I'm a good reader. So I'm not even a good reader. I read enough to get it to where I can start memorizing it and work on phrases. Like I can open up a hymnal and I can do chordal analysis playing it the first time and get quite a bit of it. Second, third time through, I'm getting a lot of it. I'm, I'm not playing the no- notes in the hymnal, but I'm playing the same chords. Um, I, I, I can sight sing fiddle tunes almost perfectly typically to, but it depends on the style of the fiddle tune so i could say in some ways i'm a pretty good reader and in other ways i'm terrible just terrible i mean there's so many different aspects to reading so steve go to teacher mode for just a minute and if what would you tell me to become a better reader what advice would you have well there's many different types of reading there's different material um there's different context you might be in and um, my best advice is what you do to type. I think we've gone over this. Like when you're learning to type, you want to pick material that's that's not too hard, that's not too easy. You know, you got to get the right stuff. You want to go at a pace that's not too fast or too slow. You do not stop to fix anything. You know, you j- and. And you do not look at your hands. And you do it every day. Um, so have a, whatever kind of music you're working on, have a stack of that, you know, and march through it. I mean, there, and there's different ways to practice sight reading. I could give you five other ways of working on it. But for this one way, 
do it every day for 30 minutes, you know, just sight read through stuff. If, 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 if that's it. I'm sorry. Did I cut you off, Steve? Well, I mean, I'm not going to give a full treatise on the topic that I'm not a master of. <laughs> I was just thinking with hammer dulcimer, and if you're not going to look at your hands, it, it seems like developing the skill. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it seems to me like it would be pretty crucial that you have kind of a foolproof way to establish cons- a consistent uh relative physical relationship to the instrument oh that's this, a good point like on this uh this gig that we just did you had a few instances where you set yourself too far back from the instrument and you with your foot ended up pushing it away with the pedal too far oh. that that can throw you off entirely and so i'm just thinking in terms of uh He's right. You got to tie yeah. something to your belt loop or something. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> instrument to play. You, you know, I think it. when you're sight reading on hammer dulcimer, let, this would be my initial approach. Just guessing. I'm not going to look at my hands, but I'm going to quickly commit what I'm seeing to some kind of memory. But that those initial passes, I'm just going to allow for inaccuracy with my hands so that I can keep my eyes on the notes and as soon as possible start looking at my hands where necessary. Well, what I generally do when I have to learn something from sheet music or when I'm writing it is I play with my fingers then. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I've seen I, other people do that, maybe. Yeah, well, because you can touch it and you can you can feel what a third feels like. You know, you're usually moving relatively close. Hmm. I think that's a good trick on hammer dulls. Well, that's the and, best little thing in the uh, podcast. I wish I had a bell to ring or something. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you, now that it's been working for me, a new practice I've been doing is when I sit down with my cool little mechanical pencil, <laughs> which I found is more fun to write music on because it's faster, nice. is... I'm sitting down on staff paper and just trying to think of some notes in my head and quickly write them down just to make myself identify notes. And with the purpose, I'm thinking it's helping me to identify faster when I'm reading and not get lost as much. For Again, for somebody, if I can make something large, I don't get lost as much also. And so there's the advantage of, of an iPad or some sort of screen but golly, they take so long to set up. And I'm, every now and then I think I'm just about over computer stuff. But then, you know, we keep going back in. I know when your yeah. eyes get worse, you start like my eyes are getting worse. Um, I wish the I wish I could get an iPad Pro and use it as a phone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have got I have I have new glasses coming, everyone. Well, I'll obsess one more time about the one contact thing. It used to be one contact that I threw away every night. Now I'm keeping them in for several days, and it's wonderful. Just It just changes everything because you spend so much time. For me, I was always looking for my glasses, you know, and trying to get them in the right spot. And huh. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's good. You're involved in local government. Yeah. Do you have secret servicemen? watch your house no are you allowed to comment on anything <laughs> yeah, i can comment on anything i want to <laughs> you probably don't want to get me started though it's been a controversial year well i'm glad you're sacrificing your time and energy career for, <laughs> and career i kind of wish you would quit 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't quit. And I'm, but I'm into my second year, and it'll go by quickly. So, and then I'm. My intent right now is to not run again, but to be a very well informed citizen who has institutional knowledge, and I can organize other people and help other people run and. One thing that I've done that's made a big difference here, if nothing else, is just I take the iPad, Steve, to every uh, council meeting. Yeah, and record, right? And I set it up at the back of the room, and I've got you know one of those silly little tripods like we use when we're out to get quick videos with my phone, and I face it towards the front of the audience so when yeah. people come to the cam, and I mix them together in Final Cut Pro. So if nothing else, it's changed the way people are involving themselves in local government because those are being watched hundreds and hundreds of times. At the last meeting, Steve, we had – the room holds about 85, I think. So it was full. There were about 50 people in the lobby, and so the fire marshal wouldn't let anybody else into the meeting room. And there were another 50 or so who got turned away who couldn't even get into the lobby. You should have had a, a, a TV out there with speakers. Yeah, I – I, and I, but I'm not. You were like, I could run home and get my bows, and let's. I was see. not like that at all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, yeah. Though I have set my bow system up for meetings at the gym before, and I'll probably probably do that with them again. Yeah, it's a, it, it's all right. It's a lot of work. I'll be glad when it's done. And I, it's not that I won't be involved anymore, but oh, hang on, they're going to have to yeah. get somebody else. Huh? What? Hello, this is Steve. Steve just answered the telephone right in the middle of our podcast. Hey there. Wow. Is he talking to his mom? Yeah. Is that your mom, Steve? That's great, dude. Okay. (laughs) He really is. So, guys. Thank uh, you. Let me know. Yeah. Let's listen to Steve finish up his phone call. I I bet Steve was like, hey, it. I'm not sure if I'm going to be done with this podcast in an hour, but just go ahead and call me so that this will be my out. Oh, this is his bail? Yeah, this okay. is his bail. Well, I yeah. appreciate you letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're wow. not editing this. Wow. I hear this is what people do on Tinder dates, okay, on that's bad fine. Tinder dates. Oh, really? They yeah. get somebody to call and get them out? Like, hey, I'll, I'll text you, and I just need right, you to call me on. and be like... So the Tinder app ought to have that built in. You're going on a date. You tell them what time the date starts, and so it automatically calls you at 15 minutes right, I 40 I, minutes. Gentlemen. Yes. So I had to take that. Was it business-related? Well, I was driving to Nashville uh, last week on the highway, and I ran over this giant piece of metal. Okay. I don't know what to call it. It's like a, I don't know what it was. <laughs> but Muffler? It, it went nuclear the, weapon? It went through one of my tires. Oh. And then it put a huge hole in the wheel. And then it was flung into the wheel well where it stuck into the car. So wow. not only do I have to get a new tire, but I have to get a new wheel. And Toyota wants about six, over $600 for a new wheel. So uh, we found one at a junkyard, same color, everything. It's going to be about three hundred bucks. Now, That's wh- good. why would I let that interrupt the podcast? Because yeah. there is no dulcimer career without the vehicle. That's <laughs> uh, spot true. on. True that. All right. Well, that ruined everything, didn't it? You guys were talking about a Tinder app. What's going on with that? 
Uh, it's we thought you were bailing. No, so that's all. Yeah, like a fake phone call to get yeah. you out. So, um, I'm sorry, Steve. Here's what's coming. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, we're coming to that time of year that everybody's getting tired of, where you do your New Year's resolution and everything. And I, I've had this thought recently about this. I am going to patently reject talking to people who are negative about New Year's resolutions. But then, nice. Oh. <laughs> now, I want you to know why. I've already gone through that phase in my life where I become Mr. Grumpster about New Year's resolutions. And right mm-hmm. now, I want to, you know, I want to make some changes. And if, you know, yeah, probably three-fourths of them are going to work out. You know, there, here's a problem with people. You want to know what's wrong with people? Mm-mm. They're gonna get. They're gonna say the problem is every time I get one step forward, it's two steps back. And the point I want to make is it's usually not two steps back. It's usually like one step forward, eight inches back. One step forward, two inches back. I'm. I know I didn't always like that, but I think it's too pessimistic to be like every time I go forward a foot, I go back two. I don't want to hear about it unless it's really happened, and then I want to see documentation. Then you're in the you're in the wrong uh, you're on the in the wrong place at the airport. <laughs> you need to be on the one going the opposite direction. So anyway, I'm so Steve. Yeah. Sounds like you've got some New Year's resolutions. Yeah, go go for them. Oh really? It well, sounds I mean, like if, it. You I don't mean, have you, to if, if you don't have them. Yeah, but we could right. talk about these next week. If I we... feel like an idiot saying this, but I want oh, to go, go for, for ridiculous responsiveness. I want to try it out. So what does that look like? So that means if Aaron texts me, the least I'll send back to you is can't talk. You know, unless you and I have an agreement that, hey, you've got 12 hours to get back with me. But if somebody texts me, I just I at least want to say can't talk or later or something like that. You know, if I get an email from a customer and I'm thinking, oh, like sometimes I get an email where somebody tells me about their you know, their music history and growing up and maybe now they're 85 and and they ask a whole bunch of questions. Well, I'm thinking I can't answer that right now. Well, I think I think I'll have a way of of either knowing it's going to be answered in the, in the next 48 hours or I need to write them and say, like, I can't answer this right now or something, you know. Uh, usually what happens is I get... <laughs> I'll get emails. Somebody's asking for workshop descriptions, you know, and I, it's, it's just that kind of stuff. I would like to be taking care of what needs to be taken care of responding, you know, and maybe telling somebody who wants class descriptions, Hey, there's no way I can do that for you this week or whatever. You know, I, a dulcimer school, we've got people asking questions. We've got people making comments. I went on there this morning, answered a bunch of those. Um, Oh, good. I would like to be either responsive by myself or with the help of somebody else. But this whole thing where I just, you know, somebody writes me and they don't hear from me for two and a half years. And then I write back, oops, sorry, I missed this message. Is there, you know, are you still looking to buy a dulcimer? It's just crazy. Hmm. 
If I you're still trapped respond, in your car. <laughs> if I can't respond to somebody in 48 hours, I need to have something else in place to take care of that. Yeah. Even if it's a website that says I do not accept emails <laughs> or something like that. You know, there's got to yeah. be something. And yes, I'm 44 and I've been struggling with this since I guess I was 23. Um Anyway, that's that's one for me. How about you, Aaron? That's, that's worthy. Well, from now on, all my texts to you will end with, you have 12 hours. <laughs> That's right. I was I actually worked on this a little bit today. Um, not in terms of lofty goals, but just uh, uh, reevaluating uh, daily tasks and routines, what I want 2018 to look like in terms of uh, my daily process and how I dedicate my time. Mm-hmm. And um, just for the sake of consistency, uh, for the sake of accomplishing what I want to accomplish, um, there's some really big pieces that I started uh, composing a long time ago. And um, uh, I really want to jump on those this year. And the only way to do that is to set some time aside. So uh reevaluating my exercise routine and how I want that to play out on a weekly basis uh and making sure that I have time to practice a new instrument and stay on top of uh mountain dulcimer and guitar so I know that's pretty broad that's not very specific but that's how I intend to keep it I think it's over that's it. Yeah. Dan? I want to make fewer arbitrary commitments. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I want to create more I'd hate the word product, but I'm gonna use it more product with the potential for residual income. Yeah. Uh I think what I do isn't, while it's not totally unique on Hammer Dulcimer, there aren't many people who do it, <clears throat> and I've been doing it for a long time, and I pioneered some of it just a little bit, and I want to make some books that instruct you know, some of that. Uh, I want to, this year, get all the pieces that I've written you know, on paper mm-hmm. uh, and have specific teaching for those pieces recognizing that some of them when you look at them they just don't look possible yeah because of all the notes so i'm trying to figure out how to do that how to do a how to do a book that says okay we're going to work on this really complex piece but it means we have to learn about six versions of it that aren't as complex to begin with i think you can get away with three probably three versions that are simplified well beginner intermediate advanced but all of them building up to that advanced one being relevant with the problem that always comes up though, is the, the advanced ones aren't possible unless you have adopted a hammer technique that allows you to do them. So oh, well, there's that too. There's that. So part of the leading up to it is going to be different exercises and things that help you to develop the ability to do this kind of lick. It's kind of like the stuff you're working on, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen much in the way of that. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen anything like that really in the hammered dulcimer world. So that's 
that's a product goal that I have for this year, not just because I want to make some money off of it, because I do and I need to, but because I think it will serve a purpose. Nice. Yeah. No, I like that residual income. I uh, I did something. I you know I'm every once in a while I test out this technology where you play into the computer and see if it notates what you're playing. Yeah. And so I, did you try out the one that you told me to? The what is it? Uh, uh, Autodyne, Melodyne. Well, Let's, I did for, that. I did that a year or two ago. And it was pretty darn good. But this is what I've figured out. You know, everybody says, well, I played into this program and it's supposed to be able to, you know, notate what you're playing, but it doesn't do a very good job. And I think I figured out that it's doing a lot better job than we think. And here's why. Because you're, (laughs) that computer is actually trying to write down what you're doing and what you're doing is sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the truth is somewhere between the two, but I got this one uh, piece of software where I can play into it and it notates what I'm doing. And if I was real particular about what I was doing, it actually appeared to do a better job when really it was me that was doing a better job. And, And it also highlighted for me um, there's so much of music that's not written on the page and you'll find that out when you play and try to get a computer to write down what you're doing, you know? Uh, now part of it is it's just technically difficult for this to work right, but it just got me thinking sometimes it's not the computer program. Sometimes we're in shock at our own inaccuracy and hmm. the, that bass player, here's another tip. And I've said this before. He said far too many musicians think only about when a note starts and they don't think about the release of that note. <laughs> and he said, that's one of the things you really hear with a pro player is when the note stops, you know? And I, so that's another new year's resolution. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Do you I know what, some, go what, ahead, Steve. What, go ahead. Well, just, you made me think about when the note stops <clears throat> And that thing that I was talking about, trying to loop and work with recording and making sure the timing is good. Some of the problems that I have when I'm doing loops have to do with whether the foot is being pressed down to start something or lift lifted to start something. Lifted is more accurate for me. It is for me, too. That's what I'm discovering. And most of the you kind of have to you have to clutch that a little bit with your. I think it'd be great if you put like on a looper pedal, if your foot goes down in preparation for the up, that's going to matter. Yep. The up tends to be tighter. Hmm. Why would that be? Well, there's less resistance. You're releasing rather than pressing. I think it may have something to do with that thing that Aaron was talking about though, because I tend to, my counting is is on the ups, you know. Okay. I'm kind of paying attention. So if I'm gonna if I'm if it's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, if I'm if I'm doing the you know, the two and the four, I'm gonna lift on the one. Okay. Uh and these pedals all have slightly different tension when you step on them. Yeah, that's a big reason to buy one over another. Right. That Keith McMillan that I have, the soft step, Steve. Yeah. That you have to stomp that thing. You can set the sensitivity, but it still feels like it. You know, you want it to be. Maybe you should just have an iPad for the foot, and take your socks off. Well, maybe I didn't tell you. I bought a uh, 
Apogee Geo. Yeah. Have you seen that? It's been oh. out for a long time. They're like 398 bucks usually. And uh, Apogee had factory refurbs on sale for 149 hmm. And it has big, heavy stomp box type buttons on it mm-hmm. that you can really feel engaged. So it's not the most, it's not like on the Keith McMillan stuff, you get all these extra pedals and you can do 20,000 things with them. This one's more limited, but it's helped with the timing of those things. Boy, we just, so basically we've got a lot to do this next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those people who didn't think this podcast was exciting enough, Aaron, could you offer them some consolation? I feel you. I feel you. Can you slow jam us out of here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to slow jam us out of Could here. Could you maybe do some type of just blanket statement for everyone that's just the perfect thing to say at the end of a podcast? Yeah. Um, well, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. And um, I think the elitists are showing themselves again. Uh, it was plywood versus solid wood, and now it's the distance from the nut to the first fret. Did you do that? For Where are we going to get past? Oh my God! This silliness and focus on things that are more important. He's savantish. Savant. This is the abbreviated version. <laughs> <laughs> As you're I saying, think what Steve said earlier in this podcast oh, here it comes. should be the final word. That's right. And all else is placement. anathema. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Steve, I didn't ask you to guess who that was. You know. I know who it is. Do you? <gasps> well, I want to know so bad. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, listen. I think I know who he is, right? Well, I'll say it so you don't have to guess someone wrong. It was Fred Montague. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, you didn't know Fred Montague? Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I hate it when people do that. Oh, you don't know? <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I thought it was one of the names I'd heard you mention in, in the past as a, as a peacemaker in the dulcimer world. Oh, you don't know what's what? <laughs> Here's my advice. Speaking of peacemakers, I read a book. Steve, did you ever read J. Oswald Sanders' book? On the Beatitudes. Well, I've heard of it, and you mention it quite a bit. It's really good. It was a formative book in my life. And he mentions the Beatitude, which is blessed are the peacemakers. And his the thing that stuck with me was, one cannot make peace without allowing one's own peace to be broken. Well, Blanket statements are never fully right. <laughs> well, sometimes... <laughs> I'm right. st- well, I know we should end the show, but I just want to point out that I think Aaron had a creepy ability to remember that letter you read an hour ago. He's got loud. many creepy abilities. <laughs> you should travel with him more. <laughs> Not I'm bad. Sorry. No, you're fine. We- All right. Yeah. No, we need a bang ending. We need something that goes bang. I think we're too depressed. We're all just like we're this not holiday depressed. stuff. I, I, I'm hopeful. I, I could use a little more money right now, but I mean, I'm I'm not depressed. I'm a little depressed, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> After hanging out with us, <laughs> I mean, I I'm optimistically depressed. Are you sticking to your ketone 
your oh, ketogenic yeah. diet. Okay. Here's the deal. <laughs> oh, he just slumped in his chair. Well, hey, hey, Steve, uh, actually, I just want to get this out of the way. For me first, maybe to take some pressure off of you, I've not been eating great over the holidays. Well, I, and actually, today was supposed to be a kettlebell I think it's okay. Day. I didn't have a goal. Just kettlebell? Yeah. Never eating, you know, bread again. Sure. But I basically, my kid's birthday party, they wanted me to eat waffles, you know. And then uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, I had a little bit of what everybody else was having. And then I had a friend come to town last week, and for two and a half days, we just went nuts. Um, but all the intervening periods, and like yesterday and this morning, you know, I'm I think I really like eating this way. I don't think anybody's going to be able to convince me that I need to eat lots of processed sugar and tons of bread. I just, I, I, I don't, I really don't want that anymore. And I really didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it over the holidays. It was actually, it felt like filler, you know? Hmm. Yeah, it's complex, Steve, because some of that not enjoying it is because you're disappointed in yourself somewhat as well. But I wasn't. Oh, you I weren't? Tr- not at all. Okay. Not at all, because that's that's not sustainable. So I chose to eat that stuff on those days. Okay. But but as I noticed, I just noticed the only one that was awesome, y'all. The only one that I have to say is worth doing once a week <laughs> was we went to an Indian restaurant and got the huge sampler where they bring all the stuff to the table. It was yeah. freaking fantastic. That'll do it. Can I just say thank you to you guys? I was beginning. Oh, I've, let's do that. That's a good. I've idea. been feeling. Uh, it's like you guys have been doing better than me on those things. I've kind of been the health guy, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like you guys are superhuman. So I feel better to know that you've that you're not. Oh no, this holiday season has been super rough. I've been. <laughs> I, I, it's so far. I've been saying like you've got a gift. <laughs> <laughs> You're so talented at your eating. <laughs> I'm good at my eating. I'll tell you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am honestly thankful for both of you guys, regardless of how much you dislike me. Oh, that's uh, not regardless true of how obstinate and arrogant and unappreciative I seem, the two of you, if you were to die today, I would cry a lot today. Oh, that's, that's good. That helps with the depression. <laughs> I'd probably be in shock for if you die a little while. And it's then not important cry, to me no. that you miss me at all. The important thing I'm trying to communicate is that I like you guys in spite of yourselves. That's all I'm trying to say. There you go. Get a dig in there. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the Steve we know and love. <laughs> uh, hey, thankful. Steve, did did you me by too. any chance listen to the, the podcast that we recorded in the car? I try to never do that. Okay. All Did right. you listen to it, Aaron? No, I didn't. I was just wondering if Steve heard the story I, of my I kind of like to my meltdown uh, on stage. Oh, and, really? Uh, and, oh, and that's tremolo. right. Yeah, yeah, because I was questioning my tremolo technique and if I need to adjust my right hand to be. I was okay, so I was trying this. Where thing did this happen? In Florida, at Fogertyville. Yeah, John Fogertyville. No, Fogartyville Community Arts Center and Media or Center or something like that's where our concert was. Um, and this this was just the duo show, not the 
this was tacked on to the the Celtic Christmas concert we were doing with an ensemble and a choir and all that stuff. Um, so it was like the fourth song in the set uh, that I did this solo thing, and in hindsight, now it was pretty stupid on my part, but I more or less tried to do one of the most complicated things I attempt to do cold with Mm. little practice beforehand and Mm -hmm. the setup to that point was mostly me strumming rhythm Mm -hmm. uh and my right hand i was trying to do this tremolo Mm -hmm. right hand tremolo with left hand pizzicato on a different string Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen you do that and i can imagine if you weren't warmed up or worn out and then with a moving melodic note on top of that uh and i Oh my god, it was like the most embarrassing technical meltdown I've ever had on stage. Were you solo? Yeah, I was just that was his, it was a yeah. solo piece. So what did you yeah. do as soon as you realized it wasn't gonna happen? Um, I took a deep breath, I wiped the sweat off of my hand, uh, and then I went I just went You're gonna grind through this introduction. In some way that makes sense, and then once you get to the melody you, you can handle it. I totally forgot that there's this crazy sweet picking section in the middle, <laughs> but I didn't fall apart in it, even no, though it no. was kind of rough. You slowed the whole thing down a little bit, it seemed. Well, there's, after. A, there's a lot of fluctuation. Is there? Yeah, yeah rhythmic yeah. fluctuation. He handled so, it really well, Steve. I could tell <clears throat> by the colors that he was turning. <laughs> no, that was just the lighting. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, sometimes what I rely on when all else fails is... I have some faith in my abilities on this level. I can play one note well, and I mean that. I can play one note well, and I can play it totally from the heart, and I can let that one note stand, and I don't care what anybody else wants or thinks. That one note is being done well, and it's being done from the heart. And I know that sounds nuts, but when things get crazy for me, I try to do a few of those one notes, you know, because um, I feel like I communicate a feeling with one note sometimes. I don't, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful. And I think you've learned this too, but I'm thankful I've got to appoint my musicianship where when either the hand gives out or the brain gives out or the situation gives out, I'm just glad I'm tuned to an open fifth and an octave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Strum something. Yeah. Alright. Hey guys, let's finish. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for the therapy session. I feel much better than I did when I started. I'd kinda like start over now. Sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. you've been listening to the Dulcimer Folk Podcast brought to you by Martha White Flower and Dulcimer Players News Magazine. Goodness they're good. Ah, that's right. So come check out Dulcimer School. We really have put some new stuff up there. And with that Aaron is going to leave us with another final message. Now you make right with Martha White. I think that's it. Hey, listen, I'm glad that we're all out in the open now.